recorded live. Good morning, good evening, wherever you may be, across the nation or around the world. Once again, you are listening to the VMware Communities Roundtable podcast. This is podcast number 380. My name is Eric Nielsen, and with me today, I have my co-host, Corey Romero. Corey, good week. How are you doing? I'm doing fantastic, Eric. How about yourself? I'm doing great. We've had, you know, now a whole week of sunshine without, you know, very much rain. So it seems like we're back into the happy California weather pattern. I'm very excited yeah. about that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm starting to get some vitamin D back in my system from the, from all the sunshine. So, yeah, I love it. Yeah, very good. Well, on today's podcast, uh, this is Podcast 380, we've got Hands-On Labs with Doug Beer and Dave Rollins. Dave has been on the show before. We get to HOL about once a year, so this is our annual once a year, how's HOL doing, what's new, everything's been changing. They work a lot on it every year, so uh, excited to have both of them back on the show, um, and we'll get started with them after we do the news. So, Corey, the things in the news that I have is, one, VMworld call for papers. Um, that's winding down. Uh, you have to have your paper submission in by March 14th, and generally they are pretty, pretty serious about making that happen. So get your paper in. You have a shot at getting approved, as we all do. And if you do, we'll see you at VMworld. Um, so call for papers, March 14th. I believe that's for Europe. I mean, U.S. I don't know if that's for Europe. I don't know what the date is for Europe. I assume it's you know a month or two out. But understand, that's not true because this year yeah, in Europe... The dates are the same, so February 14th and March mm. 14th for both U.S. and Europe. Yeah, I was wondering that right. as well, so I went and looked it up. Yes, and uh, the reason being is that if you haven't been paying attention, Europe is going to be in early September this year, only a week after the U.S. Uh, VM world, and so they're going to be very close, uh, which means that we line up to Oktoberfest this year. So even though we are going to be in Barcelona, so don't get confused, uh, VMworld Europe will be in Barcelona. The week after VMworld Europe uh, is Oktoberfest in Germany, and the community team is going to try to get a, you know, a, uh, a youth hostel, and we're all going to sleep in bunk beds and you know, have some <laughs> beer-drinking tweet-ups, right? Is that what we're doing? Yeah, that's what we're doing, and we're going to try to see how many people from the community we can get there to this as well. That's right. So we'll do a call out to everybody going, hey, you know, if you want to go drink with us, we're going to be at Oktoberfest. We'd have a, we have a, we'll have a good time with you if you, if you want to come by. Maybe we'll even buy some, some, some beers. Um, yeah, so that's what we're up to. What's up in, in your world? So uh, this morning I wrapped up some calls with the experts. Just wanted to say thank you for all the experts who showed up at the calls this morning. We will have the recordings posted in the, both the expert community as well as the expert vSAN community. And uh, just yeah, that that was all I had for V Expert. Just wanted to give a shout out to the V Experts and say thank you for the participation this morning. It was fantastic. And as well, as nice. a shout out to to Brian Graff for putting together one of the meetings, as well as the whole VSAN BU storage BU. So thank you. Excellent, excellent, really nice. Uh, and today, if you're listening to to your car, it was March 8th. Uh, so if you you missed it. Uh, Next time, are you going to do some of these things regularly as you as you schedule throughout the year? Yeah, we're actually starting to schedule these about uh, two to three per month now, um, with partners and as well as uh, internal folks um, from the BUs and VMware. So this is another reason, if you're listening to this and you're not a V expert, we are expanding the program. Not only do we do licenses and it's a reward, we actually have built 
separation between the experts and that we can now invite people in classes, right, whether you're vSAN, NSX, or compute, and then we can run these events and they're not, you know, 1,500 person, they tend to be more focused, right? Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. And we're actually having one coming up. Um, we just started talking about it this morning with Alan Renouf. Um, so the experts keep an eye on that. And uh, Tim, I believe we might be working with uh, the code audience as well. So that's uh, some exciting stuff. I have more details later this week. Very good, very good. Okay, so that's all I have for the news. So let's move on to the the show, which is Hands-On Lab, What's New in 2017. But before we do, I'd have to introduce the concept that we're bringing back for the show, which is having it be more of a community roundtable. And back in the day that John Troyer ran the show, I think he did a better job of getting community guests on the show to come in and help engage in the conversation. So today we've invited uh, three community members uh, who are famous in their own rights in the community ecosystem to come in and engage with HOL. They have interest in the HOL subjects, so uh, we'll expand the conversation from just me doing the interview to actually community members engaged in the interview process. So I want to introduce uh, Sheng Xin. Sheng, why don't you say hello so people can get a sound of what your voice sounds like um, and tell us like in 10, 20 seconds, what do you do in the ecosystem? Hi, uh, this is Sheng Xin. I'm uh, the Interesting. <laughs> muted. Yep. <laughs> I am muted. <laughs> <laughs> There you go. That's right. Cheng, we'll get back to you if you come back online. Um, just say hello. Interrupt us and we'll get you back. We also have Edward Helicki. Uh Edward, why don't you say your last name and tell us you know, in 20 seconds what you do and your participation in the ecosystem. Um, Edward Helicki, a.k.a. TechSciWill. I'm an analyst, technologist, writer, author. Do it. Nice, GitHub nice. repository owner, you name it, I have it. And been Edward has ha, has worked closely with us for years since I've been at VMware, which is now 10 years, and you have been in this ecosystem for quite a long time. So it's great to have you participate, and you're one of the few that actually come on a call and jump in and participate the way we intended the show anyway. So thanks for being here. And then we also have John Schulman. John, uh, welcome to the show. Give me a, Give us who you are and what you do in the ecosystem. Hey guys, thanks. Um, hopefully you can hear me okay. So I'm actually with VMware. Uh, I'm a, a, what we call a functional architect for the vRealize Automation Solution. But I'm here today because of my, uh, my love for all things HOL. Uh, I've been participating in the HOL in one capacity or another since my very first week at VMware, and I'm really pleased to be here. Fantastic. All right. Um, Shen, I don't know. I see you're in the chat, so maybe you'll get back connected, and if you do, um, jump back in. He might or might not be able to hear me right now. Okay, so let's get on with the show. We'll do some introductions and then we'll get into the, the, the content today. So um, Dave Rollins, a content architect for VMware, works on HOL. Uh, Dave, welcome to the show. I know you've been on several different times. How's your 2017 going? It's going really well. We've got, uh, you know, I did just see a recent tweet uh, out there. We did deploy our one millionth lab, uh, which was uh, very exciting for us. Um, yeah. Still continuing wow. to, to, yeah, still continuing to grow the program and uh, taking more of a, a global reach in uh, sharing long, the lab love. How long have you been on the labs program? Um, this will be my fourth year. 
uh, fourth year and eighth year overall at VMware. Not burning out yet? Not tired of going, building in, you know, more infrastructure for labs? Still challenging? It is. Every year we get, uh, like, especially for this upcoming year, we get uh, new curveballs thrown at us on how to show new and exciting content. Great, great. All right, and with us, our other guest, uh, Doug Beer. Doug, Senior Technical Marketing Architect, also works on Hands-On Labs. Doug, um, I don't know if you've ever been on the show before. Um, why don't you tell us a little bit about who you are and what you do uh, in the ecosystem? Sure, no problem. Um, hope you can hear me all right as well. Can hear you uh, perfectly. I've been with, yeah, excellent. Uh, I've been with VMware for four years. I was basically hired to uh, work on the Hands-On Labs program, and that's uh, what I've been doing ever since I've been here. Um, before that, I was a customer and I was a consultant. So um, I've been around in the ecosystem for a while. I've been on this show before, but it's been quite some time. Uh, so I'm glad to be back. Nice. Great, great, great. Okay, so maybe we'll just get started with um, Hands-On Lab. Who wants to give me a summary of Hands-On Lab, Hands-On Labs, the history of Hands-On Labs? And I know it's no longer just at VMworld. You know, we run them all year round online. Uh, which of the two of you want to actually take a little summary of, you know, the history of Hands-On Lab, and where are you today? Well, I, wow. I guess I could take that. <laughs> That's a big one. for it, Dave. Sure. So we've we've been around, I think uh, 2009 was the, uh, maybe even sooner. Uh, was uh, when it's we, 2009. 2009 was the first year uh, we had the Hands-On Labs at VMworld. I joined the following year, uh, VMworld and VMware. Um, and ever since then, the program's kind of evolved, uh, you know, even at VMware or at VMworld, where we've moved from uh, just kind of come sit down, take a lab, to come in, you know, we'll guide you through it, instructor-led, or we call them expert-led workshops, where we get a group of 25, 30 people in a room. And we've really seen some significant growth there. We started off with a room or two uh, earlier, probably about four years ago, and then we've evolved that and almost doubled it. We're trying to take up as much room as we can, honestly. <laughs> uh, we had six rooms of expert-led workshops and the seats, in the capacity in those have grown. And they seem to be the most popular part of the hands-on labs. Um, you know, even uh, two years ago, we introduced the concept of uh, the connect area where, you know, we'll gather those experts that wrote the labs uh, and, you know, engage with customers and partners and really help them out and design architects, answer any questions uh, they may have. Uh, but beyond that, um, in 2013, right after VMworld EMEA or in Europe, uh, we release the labs publicly. Uh, so, you know, year-round now, customers, partners, VMware employees could come in and take a lab anytime they wanted to, 24-7, uh, you know, no additional charge, uh, nothing they need other than a web browser uh, to access the labs. Uh, and as you know, we pointed out earlier, you know, we've had our one millionth lab taken uh, back in January. Um, we're seeing some, again, great growth in the number of unique users coming in. Uh, we're at about... I think about 280,000 unique users today, and we see that growing constantly, uh, usually about a 50,000 um, rate per month coming up. And again, we've got right. some exciting things planned for this year too. All right. Uh, before we go on, I think Sheng has jumped back on the call. Let's see if we get audio from him. Sheng, are you there? 
Yeah, can you guys hear me? Yes, perfect. You're very loud. Uh, very, very clear. <laughs> Thanks. Give us the one minute. Who are you? What do you do in the ecosystem? And then we'll move on. Yeah, I'm the technical partner manager at VMware. I support some of our corporate resellers. Uh, also, one of the lab captains at Hands-On Lab. Uh, I write the uh, eCloud Air data center network extension, kind of like the network, uh, the, the NSX uh, type services in vCloud Air. All right, great, great. So uh, thanks, Dave, for the introduction of you know where we are on labs. I remember when I first came here in 2006, uh, when they got started, it was one of these things that we set up and then tore down every year. So there was no constant lab infrastructure. It was, you know, we'd go in, we'd have three days to go set up a bunch of servers, get everything ready. We ran it on-prem, uh, and then this has continued to change. Now we have labs all year round, you know, in cloud, cloud world. Um, why don't you tell us a little bit about the underlying infrastructure and then our community guests, Shang, Edward, and John, you guys can jump in and, and, and ask some questions about how they're running that infrastructure if you want. Actually, before you do that, I, I got to say the very first year that you guys had, well, not the very first year, 2009, you had all the equipment hidden behind um, um, curtains, but in 2010 at the at Moscone, at the bottom of the escalators, you actually had all the equipment to run the labs, and you got pummeled by this blast of heat from that because it wasn't just the labs; it was actually running the show floor as well, all in this one row of equipment in the middle of the basement part of at the end of the escalators. It was I, impressive. I I remember that, and what I remember about it is that it was kind of the first introduction for me to like almost hyper-converged infrastructure where they built the lab and they had you know storage, network, and compute all together built, configured in this rack, and it was like that's what they were promoting is this whole integrated solution, and I was like, wow, that's pretty interesting from a data center. Very slick, very, very big and impressive, very warm, as you say. Yeah, you go down the escalators about even a third away, and then you finally get – you get hit by this blast of heat. I actually put a picture of it in one of my books. So anybody wants a picture of it, it's in one, my second book or something like that. I was like, this is just a, it was very visceral. It was very cool to see it all because people just, they go to the labs and they go and see what was running. It was pretty impressive. Yeah. I wish so, we could do uh, that today, but how many people are going to be able to walk around all the, the what is it, two, three different clouds that are involved? Right. So why don't uh, Dave or Doug, why don't you drill into how, what does this infrastructure look like today? Sure. So uh, that's probably where, this is Doug, that's probably where uh, I come in because Dave and I kind of uh, represent two sides of what the HOL does. Uh, I'm more on the infrastructure side. So, uh, yeah, typically we have three clouds that we use for HOL daily capacity. Uh, right now we're using five because we're kind of in the process of migrating between clouds and retiring some of the older hardware. Um, but at VMworld, we generally have uh, several more clouds. I think it's uh, the last VMworld we had upwards of 12 clouds uh, you know, basically scattered across the world. Uh, because at, at VMworld, downtime is one of those things that we just can't afford. So we've got you know, multiple physical locations, multiple cloud instances at each of those physical locations, and then, uh, you know, basically multiple instances of our content all over the place. Uh, and it's interesting, you should, 
Well, what was our what was our uptime uh, this past year, guys? I believe we had no downtime. Yeah, that's right. It was a hundred percent. You must not have so, yeah, believed in us three. <laughs> for uh, for the stuff in, that we present at the show, we don't have anything in S three, as far as I know. So one of the questions I have is, uh, you know, we're constantly faced with this. How do we provide services across the globe like this? I guess in a real sense, because it's um, HOLs, the the data is isolated. You know, when you spin up a lab in a given region, we can direct you to that that cloud and then provide that lab in that local cloud. And there's no data sharing between all the different clouds where, you know, users on this side don't have to interact with users that are running a lab over in a different place. So you don't really have any shared data requirements. So does that make it easier? Um, what's, what's your challenges in this multi-cloud environment from a, from a data sharing and management perspective? That's a, a really good point. Uh, our workload is very special in that case in that each of the lab instances is pretty much, uh, I like to look at like a paper towel you rip one off, you use it, and when you're done, just throw it away. So we don't have to preserve the state. Uh, every time we deploy a lab, it's basically a brand new, fresh boot of this lab data center. Uh, and we don't have the need to, so none of our labs get deployed um, across clouds necessarily. So you wouldn't get a, a lab that has a virtual EFX host that's sitting in Amsterdam and another one that's sitting in California, for example. If you start up one of our labs, it starts up effectively in one cloud instance. Uh, we do have some new labs where a couple of years ago we introduced the concept of a hybrid lab that uh, breaks our traditional model and that a lab can actually reach out to another cloud and consume resources from that cloud. So we did that with the vCloud Air Lab. Uh, some of our vCloud Air Labs actually do that. And uh, our AirWatch lab is uh, actually accesses a real instance of AirWatch. So in that lab at VMworld, we would let people check out iPads, and they could actually configure an iPad while they were sitting in the lab room. And that iPad was connected to, you know, just the internet basically. Interesting. Uh, but as far right. as yeah, as far as managing the content, that's a one of the challenges that we have because we develop all the content in one of our clouds in uh, Washington State. And then to host it in the HOL clouds uh, for VMworld or for HOL Daily, we basically have to export everything out of that cloud and replicate it to the other regions and import it into those clouds and prepare it for use. So uh, it's quite a lot of data. The, uh, the catalog that we're running right now is about 23 terabytes, and we have to replicate that across, uh, right now, like I said, five clouds. Um, when we export it, it actually, as part of the OBF export process, it uh, compresses it quite a bit. So it's only about four terabytes of data that we're pushing all over the world, um, but then it reconstitutes to 23 when we pull it back into the cloud. That's interesting. Yeah. Um, so 
I get that. That makes sense. You know, you don't have any sharing across, but you do. But you do have this management of the content itself and the labs that go out itself. Um, how do you broker where to, uh, you know, to send people in various clouds? Is it all just IP resolution-based kind of stuff where you figure out where they're coming from from an IP perspective and then just dump them off to a cloud that's nearest to them? So that's, <laughs> that's where we're trying to go. Um, right now, so the, the way we drop people into different clouds is via the VMware Learning Platform. So when they log into that platform and request a lab, Today, they basically grab the next running lab that's on the shelf. So uh, we'll have labs that we deploy across the cloud, and whatever the, the I guess, the, the next one in the queue, uh, they'll just get that one. Uh, All right. The, the goal is to get more towards a geolocation type thing where we could look at their IP address and say, oh, you're in, uh, you know, Tokyo, so we're going to send you to the Singapore cloud, for example. Uh, but we're not quite there yet. Sheng, uh, any any questions or comments or th thoughts around how they're building out their cloud environment or how they're replicating content across the globe? Yeah, I'm really curious uh, as far as storage. Um, you know, what what's the back end looks like, and uh, I mean, how much capacity we're taking up now? You know, these days. Can you share some of that, Doug? Uh, sure. So uh, some of our clouds are, are running extreme I.O. on the back end, which is kind of our, our tried and true that we've used at VMworld since I think it was 2013. Uh, that was one of our, our main platforms where we said, oh, we were using VMX, and we got really great performance out of extreme I.O. Uh, but over the past couple of years, we've been phasing in vSAN. So we do have vSAN uh, that we're using in some of the clouds. Um, our clouds, some of them are based on the, the Cloud Foundation product. So that leverages vSAN. Uh, so today it's kind of a, a mixture. And I think it was about 50-50 uh, vSAN versus Extreme IO. Good, good. Um, all right. So next subject um, that we we can you know, we can go through, unless uh, Edward or John, you have follow up questions on infrastructure or replication across the globe of their content. We're kind of on that subject. Either one of you have something you want to add to that, or ask questions. Go feel free. Uh, well, there's a there's an interesting kind of lively chat going on in the text uh, as it is right now about uh, why the pods need to be exported as opposed to being scripted builds in each remote cloud. Uh, so Ooh, I, I, gave, wow. I gave a couple of answers out there already, but uh, maybe Doug and, and Bill and I'd be happy to weigh in uh, if you want. Well, before, uh, before you do that, I do have a, I do have a question about you, you mean moving data between the clouds. I'm assuming that you have a bunch of templates or whatever that are highly polished that you you replicate between them. You say export, but are you not actually replicating the data? So uh, the way all of our content is uh, managed through vCloud Director, and the way you, the only way to get a complete template out of vCloud Director is to export it. So basically, you have ouch. to do an OVF export and then an OVF import after you've replicated. Uh, yeah, ouch. <laughs> uh, which also leads to the uh, 
the answer to the question of why aren't these scripted builds in remote clouds. Um, there are a couple different ways to approach that. One would be, yeah, we can script the build when we get into the, you know, the remote cloud. Um, some people have even gone so far as to suggest, hey, we could just build the labs on demand when a user requests them. Uh, there are several challenges with that. Uh, I could take the, the first challenge with uh, building the labs on demand. Our products aren't actually built to be deployed that way today. So if you can imagine that uh, you know, you're going to deploy a vCenter and have it all configured and everything, how long would it take to actually get the vCenter deployed and configured exactly the way you need it for your lab? Um, it would take probably longer than it takes for us to just stand up our gold template and say, here you go. So um, if you have a you know, fully configured OVF. <laughs> correct. Uh, but, you know, some of our pods, we've got uh, 17 virtual machines in there, and we've got Active Directory, we've got certificate services. So it's basically you, you'd be scripting the, the build of an entire mini data center and expecting that to come up within five minutes. No. So. I would expect you guys to use master templates, export them into OVFs, and then use a script to just import the OVFs and turn everything on. That's exactly right. Use, use a replicating data store to move the OVFs around, not import-export the way you're talking about. Export them, build them, export them into whatever and have that replicate worldwide. And then when I push the button to deploy that 17-machine data center, mini data center or VDC, it just imports 17 OVFs, and that takes less than a minute. It, so some of those OVFs are actually – so our, the average size of one of our labs is about 630 gigabytes now, as OVFs. So that takes quite some time to import. Um, so, so basically if we had – the challenge, again, with a replicated data store is that replicates the, the on-disk version. And vCloud Director has more within the OVF than is stored just on the disk, true. You know, there's that's true. Components in, yeah. So <laughs> it's the the most efficient way we found is to do an OVF export out of vCloud Director to a local repository, replicate the OVF to a local repository in another region, and then automatically import into the clouds in that region. So that whole process is actually scripted. Um, when a team releases a new gold master version of their template, uh, we can basically trigger the replication that says, okay, export it out of this development cloud. Once it's finished, it does a few checks to make sure the OBF is complete on disk. And then it notifies the remote repositories to pull that OBF into the other region. Again, once they are complete in those other regions, it'll automatically import into the clouds in that region and then prepare it for use. That makes sense. Okay. John, you, uh, you had a, we, we jumped off your topic for a minute there uh, with regard to chat. Uh, maybe you can take us back there now. Um, well, no, it was, it, was, it was very much the same topic, which was just why are, the, um, why are the pods being exported and moved around in situ as opposed to being built on demand? at each location, and, and I think 
Doug did a great job answering that. All right. All right. Great. Um, next, we'll move on to content. Uh, 2017, uh, what labs? Well, let's first start with 2016. What were the most popular labs in 2016 and uh, why? And then where do you think you're going with 2017? But let's talk 2016 first. What were the big popular labs in 2016? And what were your challenges with them? Um, this year, and again, as always, NSX seemed to be the uh, and was the most popular lab uh, at the MWorld and online. Um, really, the only run that, you know, that, that was even close to uh, taking over was uh, the vSphere lab. Um, and this is just because we did have a, a What's New content. There was a new release, uh, vSphere 6.5. Um, almost caught up in uh, VMware Barcelona with NSX, but uh, didn't quite get there. Um, and that was probably one of the biggest challenges, and I think Doug can speak to that too, is, is that was a tech preview. Uh, so we were using pre-release code, and you know, certain things would work, sometimes they wouldn't. One of our, one of our colleagues who's retiring soon, Bill Call, uh, used to call that exploding cigar code, because uh, you really never knew what you were going to get. Uh, so that, that was, in my opinion, probably the, the most challenging lab um, I had to deal with. Uh, and then typically uh, vSAN, and uh, Horizon are, are kind of the top four uh, labs in there that are always around and, and still popular online as well. Um, we do see a lot of popularity with the vSphere lab. Um, again, just in general, uh, people new to VMware, new to vSphere, uh, not really understanding virtualization, always tend to gravitate towards that lab as, as something to take as a good starting point. Do you guys see averages on how many labs uh, our community you know, members are actually taking? Uh, do you get numbers on like the average person takes three labs a year, one lab a year? I know we talk about it you know, back at corporate. We're like, hmm, what's the difference between <laughs> lab t usage and downloads and installing versus coming into a lab and just getting a whole thing ready to go that you can go play with? Do you guys get numbers on uh, what the repeat business is on labs? And do we see fall-offs after somebody's taken like five or six labs to then, then they've been trained and they don't come back? Any any visibility into that? Well, that's, yeah, that that last point, that's, yeah, we're trying to fix that last pattern um, with some of the, the new ways we're going to do things this year. Uh, but to your first point, uh, we do track some of that. And we see that on average uh, throughout the year, well, I guess just on average, a user spends about 51 minutes uh, in a lab. Uh, with the average user over the course of a year taking about three and a half labs was uh, the general um, the general average there. Um, and I, that's kind of what we're trying to do is, is create these paths now of, of learning. So once you've taken the introduction to NSX, um, they may not know about, you know, hey, there's some advanced content or there's some content from our partners that you may be interested in taking too that we have labs for. To try to create more of that flow of okay, you've taken the introduction. You know, here's your next step of, of another lab to take. Um, we haven't really been able to track the, the drop off, um, but I got I kind of see this as a, a a good thing, as a, a good starting point on on just keeping people engaged in the labs and, and uh, more advanced content. All right, interesting. Um, How many other other data? Yeah, go ahead. Yep. Ignoring the data for a second, I mean, we know it's um, several hundreds of thousands of VMs being brought up and down during VMworld alone, millions probably throughout 
a year. But when you start talking about the hands-on labs, every time I've taken them, and I understand why they're valuable for people that don't do virtualization every day or don't do that part of virtualization every day. Like they don't play around with NSX or they don't play around with vSAN, but they want to get their hands wet. But for the people that do, and I know you have the room, the, the, the room type classrooms as well, but every each hands-on lab, every classroom I've been to has been really closed. As in, you have a set of instructions deviating from them and nothing works or things break. You go through, you do the instructions, and you get a, you get a well-known solution. I kind of like the open-ended lab. It's like, here's your environment. Here's what you need to do. Go do it. And so there's a million and one ways of doing that. And it would be really cool if you kind of made a contest out of that to say, hey, <laughs> here is your environment. We've limited you from not breaking anything. Here is your goal. Let's say it's to put, you want to learn about vRealize operation and how it works with, I mean, vRealize log insight and how it interacts with Vue, for example. You could, you have your view environment, you have VRLI, you can, you have to set up the syslog to map properly. You have to do all this beginning stuff that's absolutely required. Yeah, and that's your, your But talking getting the best dashboard out of that would be a really interesting contest to have. It's like, hey, this guy did it with the least amount of impact, or this one took the longest amount. But you got those, you get a more, much more open lab than a, hey, follow these steps and you get a well-known answer. I would rather have a, a, a result that has a lot of different paths in between. Now, so I know you, that's you difficult think, to do, but how do you well, do you that? Up a couple I mean, of, can you do that? You bring up a couple of points. Um, the first one is, and really I only see you know, deviating from the script, breaking the lab from our, our tech preview code, um, where we do highly recommend you stay on track. But I mean, I've, I've used, you know, the vSphere labs just in general, launch the lab, ignore the manual, and uh, go to town to study for a VCP or something. Um, the, the second point, um, you should look at our challenge catalog. Um, we do exactly what you're describing, uh, where we put people in a scenario of, you know, you're new to the company of desktop, and, you know, you're, you're now in charge of them. Uh, go create a desktop pool. Uh, or we have one for vRealize Automation, which I'm sure it's John is familiar with where there's certain tasks in there that people are, are, uh, are asked okay. to do. And we work with um, kind of twofold. One, to, one to be fun, um, you know, to, to do that. And actually we partnered with uh, Cloud Credibility last year to give away prizes for people who completed the most challenges and uh, things like that. May, when did you start the challenge labs? Because I didn't know about them. Two years ago, we uh, introduced the vSphere challenge lab. Um, and then this past year we had uh, five challenge labs, so one for virtual SAN, I guess i got to call it vSAN now, uh, vRealize Automation, Operations, uh, we brought back vSphere, and one for Horizon. Um, but we, you know, not only, again, to have that fun aspect of it, but we work with uh, our global support services team to kind of pick the top five, top ten issues that customers run into the most and put those in a lab just to kind of help educate them. And again, so those are the most common calls that they're going to deal with on a day-to-day -day basis. Uh, so if we can help you know, make those calls go away so they can focus on more important or more critical customer issues, uh, that was kind of the main goal behind that too. Okay. I got a challenge lab for you guys. Uh, 
<laughs> I just had a major failure. <laughs> but it, it, you did bring up another point about just kind of an openness, and I know Doug and I have talked about this in the past where um, just, you know, here's a, an empty sandbox. Of, here's a, a either a configured or an unconfigured uh, data center. Um, here's some OVAs you can import. Maybe you want to see how to install NSX. Um, some of that was due to just challenges of the of the infrastructure. Um, it's really not good to show anything, you know, performance related or installation things that are going to hit the back end I/O too heavy. Uh, we'll start to see all kinds of issues. But yeah, we definitely were in talks with uh, bringing in kind of that sandbox, just you know, play around, uh, see if you can break it, kind of thing. Okay. Yeah. yeah. John, uh, you got any anything to add here? Any questions you think of when you're listening to this? Um, no, actually, I don't have any questions for our. I'll rotate. I have... All right, Sheng. Um, you know, going back to the number of users again, I'm kind of curious. What, what's the uh, total register users now for HRL? So we are. I mean, I can get you the exact number, but we're up to about two hundred and eighty thousand of unique users. And again, we see that growing anywhere. And again, we get more fluctuation um, when we have, you know, right after VMworld or after the labs go online, uh, we'll start to see that number increase. But typically, it's anywhere from 50 to 70,000 a month. That's, yeah, that, that, that makes sense. Uh, even in the community space, we see uh, about 7,000 New community members uh, each each week, right? So uh, that makes sense. I think our ecosystem is about three million, you know, people. Uh, about two million of them are live and active every year. So um, I think that you know people take a lapse. That that would make sense. Those numbers make sense. Right? Uh, one of the things that I've noticed is uh, people tell me about jumping in and uh, taking over the NSX lab and using just the NSX environment to learn and study for the VCP NSX uh, uh, exam. And so I know people do use these things to get access and then you know deviate from the course material and go off and practice and engage you know uh, with the lab. And one of the things we're looking at, and I know that. Uh, um, Tim Boneman's on the on the call as well. We're looking at how could we do a hackathon with a lab where you could get in and get a, a whole infrastructure and use the REST APIs and then go off and build custom code, you know, that would then run against that lab infrastructure to do some automation. So I know we're looking at that, and I think there's some interesting ways to extend the HOL environment to do custom things at the same time. That's a really good idea. I like that. Yep. Yeah. You know, we'll we'll talk to Pablo. You know, we have been talking to Pablo. Uh, Pablo, <laughs> uh, you guys all know where Pablo is. Pablo Roche runs, I think, the lab, manages the lab teams, to, you know, virtually and so forth to make that happen. Um, okay. So if we don't have any other questions on that, um, I will move to the next subject, which is what are the new labs coming out? What's the what's the candy for 2017? Uh, you know, what are you what are you guys working on that will be fun and exciting? Well, first, even before we talk about VMworld, this call was timed perfectly. This podcast was timed perfectly. Um, we just released today, um, probably about a half an hour before the podcast, 
uh, and again, this is March 8th, um, we released a new vSAN 6.5, uh, What's New Lab? Uh, so there's a, a set new content out there talking about um, you know, two node configurations, uh, some of the new power CLI commandlets that are available uh, using iSCSI target, things like that. That's uh, brand new and out there today. We are working on a few other labs, uh, what we call our spring release, uh, which will be available uh, within a few weeks. Uh, and I know John's been working hard on one of them for uh, a what's new with B-Realize Automation 7.2. Uh, so you'll see that coming out there. Uh, but the majority of our labs will be refreshed with kind of the latest version, uh, like the B-Realize Operations Lab will get updated to, I believe, 6.4 and Login Site 4, uh, just so you can see some of the new uh, UIs on those screens. Um, as far as uh, new content for VMworld 2017, um, probably the biggest topic is the, you know, talking to all the different divisions here at VMware uh, was how do we integrate our products with AWS. Uh, so things being perfect and everything, you know, we get everything ironed out and working. Uh, you know, like the NSX team wants to work with, you know, how to secure uh, AWS, um, how to network with it. Uh, VMware Cloud Foundation is deployed on AWS. Um, deploying workloads to AWS with visualized automation. You know, there's all kinds of content. That seems to be the, the biggest thing out there right now um, is how do we integrate with AWS. But again, this is all still trying to iron out the details. Um, we did a good job, and I think Shane can speak to this too, uh, you know, working with vCloud Air, because again, that's kind of our hybrid lab where we were, you know, deploying one lab and communicating with another cloud uh, out there. So it's something similar we'll have to do with AWS, and we'll have to kind of iron out the details on, on how that's actually going to work. Yeah, that's interesting. I know that I know that uh, I always used to kid Pablo that uh, the labs he has always used AWS as a test and dev environment to to do some of the work. So so it isn't like you guys aren't familiar with AWS. It's just putting all the all all of that together to make a multi cloud environment where you have a HOL that's controlled and manageable that spins up and spins down when you've got AWS components as part of that mix. Right, that must be challenging. It is, and, it, and, it, and to add on to that, it's it's also, uh, you know, with vCloud Air, it's a little bit easier to, you know, get them to provision a, a you know, free instance for us. With AWS, it's a little little more difficult um, and kind of logistically working with them to figure out how we get capacity to connect our labs to um, and how customers will utilize the labs and, and use AWS. I mean, I, I don't want to hand out you know, Amazon gift cards to everybody that walks in to take a lab so they can get some uh, free credits. So there's, there's a lot that uh, we need to work out, but uh, if, it, if it does happen, I think we'll have some really, really good content around AWS this year. Very good, very good. Uh, Anybody have any questions, open the table up, John or Sheng or Edward. Uh, any other things that you can think of with regards to uh, labs that you'd like to ask these guys? Well, I want to switch a little bit to operations. During VMworld, you know, we see all the monitors that are up for us to see about how many labs are doing and stuff like that. But what are you using behind the scenes to ensure this stuff stays up and running? So we've uh, we've actually started putting our monitoring tools up 
at the front of the HOL area. So we are showing the tools that we're actually using to monitor the labs. Most of those screens are actually the same screens that the team back in the NOC are actually using. Uh, they're a little bit sanitized just because there's certain information we don't want to make publicly available. But we're using VR ops and log insight, you know, all that VR and I, all that stuff on the back end to make sure everything stays up. Okay. That nice. sounds interesting. Do you have any security operations as part of that that you don't show? I imagine you wouldn't, but. You know, so we have a, a separate team. VMware's private cloud team helps us build the infrastructure and they monitor it. So I'm not 100% sure if they have that sort of thing. Um, I know I do get some emails from our security group if uh, something is open that shouldn't be. So uh, there are people who are watching. Okay. How many labs do we think we have? What's the difference between the ha labs that are online all year round versus the labs that are coming to VMworld? Can you talk a little bit about the difference in mix between what we see at VMworld versus what's online all year? I know there has always been a difference between what we do at VMworld versus what's online. Can you talk a little bit about that? Sure. So Typically, like right now, um, you'll see the labs, uh, once they're released at uh, VMworld US, uh, we'll release this publicly uh, in about the you know, October timeframe once uh, VMworld Europe is over, uh, which I guess will change this year. And we'll run those labs side by side, so the labs from the previous year and the ones we just released until about December, and then the old ones go offline and the new ones come online. There's really... With one exception, uh, there was only one lab this year that uh, we don't have in the public catalog, and that was just due to size. And then honestly, you, you couldn't take it uh, in the self-paced area. It had to be an expert-led workshop, and we could only run a couple of them. It was the VMware Cloud Foundation um, full lab. Uh, right now, the one we have out there is an interactive simulation, just again, due to the massive, massive size of the, uh, the VPod. I think that can probably talk about how how much bigger it was on average, but uh, I know it took up probably over half of our development environment just with one instance. Uh, so that, that's really the only one that didn't make it. Otherwise, you know, right after VMworld uh, Europe, we tend to release the, the full catalog that we had at VMworld US. Um, and then again, a couple of months, we'll take the old ones offline just, again, for capacity reasons. No cost to any of these throughout the year. It's all, it's all, it's all just there. It's all free. It's all free. Yes, and we're we're starting to see more. Um, and I don't know if you've talked about this or not. The social lab program um, that's running at least here in the states. Uh, actually, in the Americas, we have some in Canada and some in Latin America, where it's kind of a roadshow uh, of those expert-led workshops where they'll you know go to key cities and uh, talk about NSX virtual fan and run through the lab. Uh, with that expert guidance in the room. Um, but yet again, these are uh, no charge, all free. Yeah, I know they were looking at, on the code side of the house, doing the same thing, which is basically run hackathons throughout the U.S. and Europe, you know, based on, on top of a lab where we just get in a room and, you know, we have experts there that can talk about the APIs. So the, so the same reason. Talk about the uh, – I'll, I'll stop uh, John Orshin. Any, any question before I ask my next question? 
Yeah, Dave, this is Shane. I was kind of wondering, um, as far as cloud native applications, do we see uh, you know a bit more um, use cases or you know any, any type of newer labs coming for this uh, upcoming VM world? We do. Um, again, we'll, we'll focus again on on Photon, uh, and again uh, in Vic, uh, VSphere integrated containers. Um, the one thing we will add to that is uh, Cloud Foundation, not Cloud Foundation, uh, Pivotal Cloud Foundry, um, and kind of the integration points with uh, some of the cloud native apps that are out there. Um, and that, that's a, another good point, I think. And we're also going to start a little bit more in the in the developer cycle or the DevOps. I know uh, you realize automation; uh, they're planning on on beefing up their DevOps space, um, especially this, the cloud native apps area too. We're in talks with a lot of the uh, the SDK API developers too, and, and kind of getting more content out there for the developers. All right, great. Um, my other question that I have is, how big is your team? I know that we have the we have the labs teams. They're mostly all volunteer at VMworld. All these guys put in their time. They get to go to VMworld, get a ticket, but mostly they're spending 12, 14 hours a day working. So I don't know if that's a good deal or not. And you know, as John mentioned, uh, he's I think he's part of that. So thanks for that. Uh, but can you talk a little bit about the team size now? Are you do you guys have full time people working on this as well now? We do, and and I will pause too to say a big thank you to our volunteer staff because we definitely couldn't do it without them. Um, I think we had almost 280 um, volunteers last year that, that helped make all this happen. Um, but from our team, that uh, kind of the day-to-day -day operations uh, that do this do this for a living, um, but there's probably and maybe Doug can correct me, maybe nine of us on the team. I would say about 10 or 12. So if you look at the management stack and ah. project management and that sort of thing. Nice. All right. Good. Good. Glad to hear. Uh, do you guys all still work for Pablo? Or is it the more people engaged in management of this nowadays? There are more people engaged in management. Um, Andrew Paul, um, he's now my manager who reports up to uh, to Pablo. But Pablo controls all of the, uh, the hands-on lab. Um, and the uh, the employees that do the um, the live demos on stage, uh, as well as the uh, the uh, offline demos that go on the website. All right, fantastic. Uh, one more loop around, uh, Edward. Anything? Any last closing questions or thoughts? Can anybody externally um, VMware actually get involved with either designing, creating, helping out on one of the labs? I mean. There's so much stuff that you guys don't do that would be that we use in the enterprise. We do have a uh, an idea registry, um, which if I can, it's uh, vmware.com forward slash go forward slash hol idea all lowercase, uh, and you can submit a request for uh, what you'd like to see in the lab. Unless if the person wants to get involved in helping out design it out or whatever it is. Is that even possible these days? Um, we do, really the only uh, people outside of VMware are kind of our technology alliance partners um, that will get into uh, get into the labs. And some of that's just due to 
um, them already having non-disclosure agreements and getting into some of the systems that uh, are needed for development. Okay. It's a, it, does, it does get challenging since we very frequently work with pre-release code or you know, things that are not publicly available or that we're building labs that are you know, intended to be announced products at VMworld. And since it's all a shared environment, there's a certain level of understanding with the internal employees. But the external technology partners um, are used to showcase you know, our, our alliance kind of products. Like for example, we had uh, in one of the labs I worked on this year an Infoblox integration. Infoblox is a major partner of ours and we worked very closely with their team to make sure that the, that content was showcased properly. That's a, it is an interesting question, though, Edward. And um, if and there's so you know, much there's more a outside of underlying hardware or, or new stuff that needs to right. be taught, like for example, you guys don't have a uh, hands-on lab for hardening vSphere. You have no only, the only security lab that I know of you have, have guys have is NSX. We actually do have a uh, there was a vSphere lab. hardening lab this year. Yeah. Oh, good. That came up this year then. So it might be interesting yeah, even on the, on, the, on the community side to create an ideation place where we could just have a list of ideas around labs so that at least some of us could actually, you know, put together a list of labs that we'd like to see or ideas around that. And then maybe even, you know, I can, I can, I can broach the subject with Pablo, which is, you know, if we get people interested in a list of labs, and we can do that on our side, on the community side, then we could actually find people that are interested in that subject and then, you know, approach up Pablo and go, hey, you know, here's some people that are interested in these labs. How do we get these built? And can we involve people that are interested in that? I can see that as being a possibility. So that's, ex that's actually, you know, an interesting idea. I don't think we do it now, but I think we could. No, I like the communities aspect of that too. Yep. Yeah. It's a neat idea. Uh, Shang, anything else from you? We have three more minutes before we have to follow up or end, uh, and then I'll do some the classic how to go find and get going on labs. I'll do that. But anything else from Shang or John? Shang first. Um, not much. I just, I just want to mention, if, if you have some cool ideas, let us know. Um, you know just uh, reach out to some of our captains. You can see the lab captains' names on the uh, PDF of the lab manuals. So if you reach out to us directly and solicit some ideas, we can always incorporate them uh, into next year's uh, labs. So I'll be the lab captain for one of the vCloud Air labs. And you know we, we can certainly find out who that is for you and uh, you know, figure out you know, how we can fulfill what, you know, what, what you're looking for. That, I guess, uh, yeah, go the, best, and the best way to do that is to actually come to VMworld and meet with us in the Expert Connect area because all of the captains will be there, all the principals will <laughs> yeah, be there. Good point. <laughs> so that's the best Absolutely. way to give us that feedback. Come, come talk to us live. We're always very happy to speak with you. You can always talk to Pablo directly there too. Pablo right. loves talking. <laughs> Sheng, uh, are you on Twitter? How do people follow you? Yeah, I'm on Twitter as Virtual Sheng. That's uh, Virtual and the S H E N G. Fantastic. All right. Everybody give uh, Virtual Shang a, a follow. Uh, John, any last words before we uh, head off to the sunset here? Nope, nothing for me. It's been a real pleasure talking with everybody. I've been kind of speaking more in the chat than on the, on the phone, but it's been, it's been fun. Love talking about yeah. this subject. It's, it's great to have you here. Can people follow you? 
to a shout out? Uh, Are you on? Sure, you can if you like. Uh, it's uh, V Aficionado, and if you need the spelling, the VMware code guys just tweeted it a few minutes ago. <laughs> There you go. V aficionado. Great. Correct. And uh, Edward, you want to, I, I see you're doing some security stuff. You want to give us a little bit about what you're up to and thanks for coming on the show as always. Um, sure. Um, find me as text. I will I actually have a GitHub repository, github.com slash text. I will. And in there has actually been working on a realized log insight security operations center content pack. It's has five dashboards now and always open to more. And it's, Pretty cool. I've seen so much stuff inside my site that I never systems that I never even knew were happening. Plus a whole bunch Fantastic. of other stuff. But you can follow me as Tex I will just about anywhere. All right. Uh, Fantastic. Well, I like this format. Uh, we're at the top of the hour. I appreciate our guests uh, coming on. I appreciate our community people coming on the show as well. And um, thanks a lot to to everybody involved. This was. Uh, a really nice format. I like the show. I like the format of the show. So Dave Rollins, Doug Beer, thanks for coming on, talking about HOL, and thanks for doing all the work that you guys do. You know, everybody likes to come stand in line and, and, and get our latest fix on, on labs. So thanks for being on the show. Thank you for having us. Nope. Yep. Yep. Thanks for having us. Uh, Tommy Barry, what do we got on uh, for next week? Looks like we have SAP Adapter with all right. David Gallant. All right, so next week we're going to have another show. We're going to try to have some community people come on. It's the SAP Adapter. And honestly, I don't know what an SAP Adapter is, but it apparently is something that we use at VMware in the, uh, on our products, and they're very excited to come and tell us about it. So uh, who's the guy? Who we have on next week? Well, we have three. Three David people. Gallant, Mauricio Barra, and Nelson Yang. All right, Nelson Yang, Mauricio, and David. David. All right. So we're on the show again next week. We'll get some more community people on to ask some questions. SAP Adapter, thanks for being on the show. Thanks for everybody in the chat. Very active today. I think we had like 25, 30 people online live in the chat window today. That was pretty cool. Uh, we'll see you again next week. Have a great week and hope you have some good weather. Hitting the big red end button now. <laughs>